0: Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Barry. Today, my guests are Heather and Quinn, the mother and daughter writing team who uses the pen name, Heather N. Quinn. They live in Canada, the setting for their newly released book series, My Country Cousins. Heather was born in Scotland, but grew up on a hobby farm in Ontario. In 1990, Heather, her husband, and their daughter Quinn moved to a village in England near the city of Chester, the hometown of the main character of their books, Gemma Merriman. The family returned to Canada when Quinn was 10 years old and thoroughly English, which made adjusting to life in Canada just a wee bit trying for her. However, as Quinn says, that personal experience makes it easy for her to identify with Gemma's feelings. The first book in the series of My Country Cousins is Journey to Juniper Junction. Book two, Adventures at Almost a Farm, will be available next month. You can find information about the books at their website, Heather N, the letter N, heathernquinn.com, and a link is in the show notes. Join Heather, Quinn, and me as we discuss Gemma's quest for adventure and independence. Before we jump into the interview, I want to share with you information about the fun activity book I have created for children ages 5 to 12. It's called My Family Tree. It's a journal, it's a photo album, it's a memory keeper, and it's an introduction to the art and science of learning about your family history. It does not require a genealogy subscription to use. As grandparents, we know a few things about our grandchildren. We know they like to listen to stories. We know they like to look at pictures of their parents and grandparents as babies and young children. And we know they like to spend time with us. Our goal as grandparents is to have fun with our grandchildren and create lasting memories. What better way to create lasting memories than to share with them stories about you Unlike other journals, My Family Tree is a PDF download designed to fit into a three-ring binder and it provides lots of opportunities to spend time with your grandchildren in person or online doing the activities. I compiled this journal because my older grandchildren have begun to ask me about their late grandfather and this journal is their Christmas present. But I'm offering it to you as well to share with your children and grandchildren. In my grandchildren's books i have included pictures of their grandfather and i have written lots of stories about him children are tactile learners so i think it is important they have this binder so as they grow they can continue to collect stories about family members and information that will connect them with a larger family to learn more about my family tree visit my website adventureswithgrammy.com and if you have any questions please send me an email, carolyn at com, To receive a 50% discount, use the code Thanksgiving at checkout. Now on to our interview. Welcome Heather and welcome Quinn. I am fascinated with your pen name and I would like to hear how you decided to mash up your names and create Heather and Quinn as your pen name
1: thank you so much for having us, uh, Carolyn. We really, really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun for us to do this together. I mean, we love working together. We've always got along extremely well and uh, we're very, very different people, but we seem to complement each other. Quinn and I do. So when we were thinking about the name, I believe Quinn, you said Heather Quinn. And then my husband, Neil, he said, why don't you put an N in there like Heather and Quinn, like Heather and Quinn. And we thought, That is clever. We're going to do that. We like it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, Quinn is my grandmother's maiden name. I was named after her. So I said to mom, it's perfect to have Quinn as our last name for our writer name, because it's a great last name. That's right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Grandma lives on.
0: (laughs) Yes. I actually was surprised to find out the story behind your name, because I really thought your name was Heather and Quinn. I didn't realize it was a play on, on your two names. So I find that quite, quite interesting. And you've just told us that you've worked well together, but how did the two of you come to collaborate on this book?
1: Quinn, shall I start? And then you take over on this story. Okay. So I have been a writer, well, pretty much all my life. You know, I, I had an old um, Underwood manual that I used to play with when I was a kid. And I would go and get a set of beads and a hat, which my brother and sister found quite hilarious. And I would pretend to be a writer and sit and uh, write my stories. So that that continued on. And ultimately, I decided, well, I'm not going to be an Alice Monroe or a Margaret Atwood or someone like that. I'm just not a, in that kind of league. But I'd like to work as a writer for a living. So I studied advertising and public relations. And from there, uh, I worked as a college communications officer Uh, after that I had Quinn and my husband and I moved cities and so I did other things but I started writing little bits and pieces for mums local newsletters and that sort of thing and then ultimately we moved to England and I wrote a little cookbook for mums and published it myself and that was in 1991 so that was a long time ago before people were really doing self-publishing I advertised it in the backs of parenting magazines national parenting magazines and um, from there I began to realize well heck you know I was selling these little booklets it was called the busy mom's cookbook and it was really just a little uh, book that you could find easy recipes really quickly make food for your children because I always felt like the frustration level of your children not eating was sort of a ratio with how much effort you would put into making the food that they were refusing. (laughs) So I was trying to come up with healthy things for kids to eat that, you know, you wouldn't be too fussed if they didn't, if they didn't eat it, you know, so that went quite well. But what I realized was that my training in public relations was always to write to a particular market. So I began to realize, well, I could be writing the articles in these magazines that I'm reading. So I queried Uh, the national magazine parents in the UK. And it was just pure luck, I, I hit on something they wanted to learn more about. And that was helping your child to develop a sense of self and self esteem. Back in 1991, that was groundbreaking stuff, you know, for uh, it certainly was in the UK, they weren't running a lot of articles like that in parenting magazines, So that did really well. And then after I ran, I got that piece in, I suggested a piece on toddler breastfeeding which they thought was really far out, but (laughs) I was still feeding Quinn when she was two. Yeah, they really were like, what are you talking about? This is nuts, you know? And these were all career women in London and they just couldn't imagine. So they said to me, listen, if you can get three women who are breastfeeding their toddlers to agree to be photographed, not while breastfeeding, (laughs) you know, with their kids and do the interviews and get us a piece on toddler breastfeeding, we'll run that. So they did. And it was a huge success. And it came out, I mean, women were coming out of the woodwork saying, guess what? I also do that. I thought it was the only one, you know, and it was really kind of revolutionary. So that kind of started me on my magazine career in the UK, which lasted for eight years. And I wrote a lot, you know, for parenting magazines and then branched into uh, health writing and that kind of stuff. And then we came back to Canada. And by that time, I had four children, Quinn, her sister, Oak. Uh, who is three and a half years younger, and then twins, Lake and Cove, who were a couple of chimpanzees, let's say. <laughs> they were so, so we, my husband, and I used to laugh and say, God gave us Lake and Cove because we were getting smug, you know, because we thought we knew what we were doing. Gwyn and Oak were fairly biddable, but these two were a little more than to handle. So ultimately, I ended up just like doing stay-at-home mom kind of stuff, but learning all the time, and I started writing fiction. So from there, I I got a couple of short stories published in Woman's World, and that convinced me I can write fiction. But writing long fiction compared to writing short fiction is quite a different thing. So I tried doing NaNoWriMo last year, I guess. I thought, I'm going to nail it down. I'm going to get myself a real book written And I did, but it was an adult book. And I thought, I didn't enjoy that. I thought I was going to enjoy it, but I just didn't enjoy it. It was so, I had to dig so deep and to make it, I don't know, it just wasn't fun for me. So I told Quinn about it. And I said, you know, what I've always wanted to do is write children's stories. And I have this idea for a story about four kids who are cousins and they have such a great, you know, time together. And basically we just chit-chatted about it. So then I was still thinking about it, but it was on the back burner. And that night, I'm gonna pass it over to Quinn now because Quinn was the catalyst.
2: Yes, so mom told me about her story story idea, which I loved, and I couldn't stop thinking about it either. And I just had my second daughter, she was three weeks old. So I was up in the middle of the night nursing her, as you are with a new baby. And I just picked up my phone and wrote the first chapter of the book in the middle of the night. And then I emailed it to mom and said, Hey, what do you think? Will this be something to get you started on your book? Uh, I was hoping she would like it. And she wrote back the next morning. She called me actually. and was like, that's so good. I love it. Would you want to work together? And I was so excited. I said, yes. (laughs) I was actually hoping she would want to work with me, but equally, I didn't want to, you know, take her story idea. Um, So it just really went from there. Like it just all came together really well. We both agreed, Hey, yeah, let's try to do this together. And then I just kept writing in the middle of the night on my phone while nursing my daughter um, (laughs) and then sending it to mom. And it went from there. She kept working
0: on it. And that's pretty much how it came to be. It just like all at once, boom, we had a partnership. That's awesome. I know this book isn't autobiographical, but in a way, you lived in Scotland you moved to Canada and then Quinn you were born in Canada and moved to England is that right and then came back to Canada
2: yes so we moved to England when I was two and then we moved back here when I was 10 so a lot of my formative years were spent in England and it also gives us, and what well, gives me really, a great place to write from because Gemma is that age when she's coming to Canada, and that's when I came to Canada. So I totally remember, and I know
0: how she would feel, and it's really great to pull to draw from that. I think authentic writing really is based on things that we know, and things that we can see, and that we have experienced in our lives. So I find that has, that has given your book a real authentic flavor. And one of the reasons I'm excited about your interview today is that most of the authors I've interviewed have been uh, more focused on young children and more picture books, where your book is for a slightly older audience, say from five or six up to 10, 11 years old. And the adventures that Demma has is something that younger children are not going to be able to relate to, like flying across the Atlantic Ocean on a plane all by themselves or just swimming in a lake for the first time, which I guess kids could relate to that. But it's to me, it was fascinating about the difference in the language and the experiences of entering a foreign country without your parents. For the first time and and there's a safety net with these are your cousins your aunt and uncle but Gemma definitely experiences some pretty unique adventures and i like that in the book
2: we really wanted kids to have a fun time reading our book and uh, but we also wanted to you know bring up some issues that kids have and some of the emotions they have and uh, what they go through at that age while still telling a fun story.
0: I like the fam. There were two things, or actually, there are three things that really struck me. One was your family crest about, if you can't behave, be funny. (laughs) I just thought that was (laughs) incredible. That was
1: actually our family. That was our family motto, wasn't it? That was something that, yeah, growing (laughs) up, that was something that their dad, uh, my husband, Neil, used to say to them, you know, so because we laugh a lot in our family we always thought that the best thing a parent can have is a sense of humor
0: (laughs) (laughs) right especially with two little boys that get into everything
1: (laughs) yeah exactly you know what we're talking about every every parent every grandparent does
0: and then I liked your family tree also and I thought it was kind of ironic that you know, you have a family tree, and then here, that's, that was the book I wrote for kids about the family tree, and yours is Yeah, that's
1: true, isn't it?
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know,
1: the thing is, family is so important to children, and I mean, it can be made up in, you know, infinite number of ways, but the thing is, everyone likes to know, really, where they came from, which you certainly appreciate, having, you know, published things about genealogy, and as well, trying to keep track of characters in a book and particularly in a series can be difficult so we just thought each book that we produce we're going to put that family tree in the front and then if somebody's saying hang on who's that character who do they relate to they can just go back to the family tree and say oh yeah okay i remember that cousin
0: <laughs> yeah i think that's really sweet the, the other thing the third thing i was going to talk about is some of the words and now i'm looking through your book and of course i can't find it and i should have written it down but it was it was a word that meant run away. Oh, scarper. Scarper. Yeah. And it's like, I had to look it up. It's scarper. like, I've never heard this word before.
1: I mean, it's really onomatopoeic, isn't it? You can just see someone scarpering, they're running. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs>
0: I love the word, but I thought, oh, run away. <laughs> what a great word. Tell us about the glossary that you're putting together.
1: We are working on a glossary of terms, and we're going to put it together as kind of a download from our website so that when people want to you know, sign up for our newsletter, they can get a glossary of terms. just so they can know what scarper means and that sort of thing. I remember one time my husband and I, when we were really young, just starting the court, we were looking at a kid's book and it had a glossary in the back and it was really funny. It was like uh, somebody had used the word semolina, or pardon me, simolia in the the, um, text. And so in the back they had simolia means money. So while we were joking, we called it semolina as a joke, but we just really had fun with that glossary. And we thought that's the kind of thing that, Sonny and Gemma might put together. And so we do refer to that in our book that Sonny and Gemma start working on a little glossary of terms, a little booklet that they're putting together. So we'll do that for Sonny and Gemma and put that as part of our website eventually. Soon, we hope.
0: Good. Now, you also have a prequel that you offer on your website. Tell, tell readers about that. And that gives readers a flavor of what your books are like
2: yeah it's a good way to um get a taste of our writing so you can go to our website and sign up and we'll send you a copy of the short story prequel basically it's about Gemma just before she comes to Canada so when she finds out that her best friend Bronwyn is moving away and uh just to introduce the characters kind of set up the story a little bit and uh, give people a
0: taste of our writing as well. I like the series My Country Cousins. You have another book that's going to be released uh, within the next month or so. What do you have other writing in store or do you have other ideas to draw on that you're going to continue writing the series?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we have the next book out, the second installment, Adventures at Almost a Farm, is coming out on the 25th of January uh, 2022 next year. And we have the third book in the works. And then we have tons of ideas for more books as well. Um, That's the great thing about writing a series that's based on family life is that there's you know, the ideas are endless. There's always new things to draw upon. Um, And
0: yeah, we have tons, tons of ideas. Do you anticipate that your books always will be the same age group? I would think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we did discuss that, like, you know, the way Harry Potter, the kids age and gradually become, you know, young adults and on they go from there. We're really not interested, certainly not right now in writing young adult books. We would like our characters to just be ageless kind of like you know uh well there are where series they were more popular long ago where children just didn't age out they just stayed 10 12 whatever and i think that there's a place for that you know there's they're kind of classic books that just they just stand the test of time and kids through the ages enjoy them and that's kind of what we're aiming for we just want to write for this age group it's a hard age group to write for and it's hard to Uh, right humor because I mean we have a lot of our books are funny right they're funny yes they are so I mean I hope you found them funny (laughs) we were aiming for funny
0: (laughs) well I, I found them funny but I also found them rather introspective Gemma is a really interesting character and she she's she's introspective I like that she writes a journal and that journal helps her through the uneasiness of leaving her parents of flying across the Atlantic ocean, getting soda spilt all over her skirt. And there's this, it's it's like 10, 11 years old is such an interesting age anyway, because you're teetering on being a teen, but you also have this, this very innocent child inside you. And so I think, you know, you portray that dichotomy very well. And it, she's a fun character and, and something that I think seven and eight year old girls are going to relate to and see themselves becoming.
1: That's, that's exactly what we're aiming for. And we're surprised also at how many boys like our books as well. There are boy cousins in the books and we do, you know, we hope that they're whole characters as well. We certainly tried to make them. So the Protagonist being a girl, you know, you tend to think of it as a girl's book, but um and I mean, maybe primarily it is, but they, we just find that children of both sexes really enjoy it. And uh, I think that's, they're picking up on the same thing that you're picking up on. And that's what we've tried to do when your kids, you know, it's not heavy. Like it is when you're a teenager, even when you're going through really, really tough things, it, it break up of your family, for example, people think, oh, they're doing fine, you know, because they, they're still romping around laughing and, you know, just being kids, but in their hearts, they're trying to sort it all out. They're trying to figure out how they fit in. And, you know, they're trying to figure out uh, more sophisticated relationships and budding independence. I mean, these are really, really big things, but kids don't, at that age, they don't want a big, heavy story about it. They want to have a laugh and then they want to, but they want to see a, a character like themselves who's thinking things through in their heart and trying to figure it out that's our take anyway and you know so far it seems to resonate with children and their parents I think parents like our books also because you know there's none of the sort of uh there's no titillation in it there's no um you know there's no stirrings of first love or anything like that because these are children little children you know so well big children but you know they're children and that's not something that really comes into it until puberty so I think parents like that I think they feel like yeah this is I can let my child read this there's no triggers there's nothing that they're going to feel like i don't know how to explain that
0: (laughs) to you you know well it's a wholesome childhood i mean they're they're scampering up hay bales to get to the loft and they're swinging across the rafters on a rope and they're swimming in a lake i mean it's just fun it's just good wholesome fun
1: Carolyn, it's funny you should say that because that's something actually like the nostalgic edge to our book, that, that side of it. We've had a lot of grandmothers who have said to us, I want to read this book because it reminds me of being a kid. Like one lady who wrote to us, you know, who grew up in Scotland and she grew up in the Highlands. She said, you know, honestly, I felt like I read that part about the kids in the barn. I read it half a dozen times because it just brought me back. I felt like I was with my brothers and sisters again when we were little. And I just couldn't, you know, she said, I loved it. I couldn't stop reading it. I just loved it.
0: When we so were talking, that was kind
1: of exciting for us.
0: Yes, I'm sure. When we were talking earlier, and I, I said that I could see my, my boys, my grandsons reading this book. And I think listeners know that I have six grandkids. The first four are boys and then the second two are girls. So the the girls are way too young to be interested in this book. It's beyond them. They're still in the picture book stage. But the boys are six to nine and they are reading chapter books. And the, the funny thing about it is I live in the country on a farm. We have a barn and they live in the city. And they love coming here. And almost immediately after they get out of the car and say hello to me and give me hugs, they scamper down to the barn because <laughs> that's where they like to play. The loft has become their fort. And I, as I was reading, reading the books, I could just see my grandsons enjoying this book and them seeing themselves at our farm playing in the barn and running through the woods and we don't have a lake but we have a stream and you know they love being in the woods and just going on hikes and adventures so I think they love that sense book, of freedom I think
1: yeah yeah that's right it's all about freedom
0: yeah right it, because you even talk about Gemma has a I think there's a quote in there from Gemma about you know her her freedom to not have to ask permission to get a Coke, you know, it's like, it it is, it, it is that freedom that kids want. And especially if they're city kids, where they have to stay on the block, or they can't go out of their courtyard. This is a, an entirely different world for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. And also, even just those kind of carefree summers of childhood, they're so fleeting, but they're so amazing. So it's wonderful to have that that you could just kind of disappear into that world and have that same sense of freedom and carefree joy and really have a chance to be in that world regardless of where you live or yeah exactly because you, you do as a child
1: you know even if you're you're kind of confined to your back garden or your backyard or you know there's some little spot where you feel like you're on your own and you can I remember one time, actually, I was in England and I was with some friends and I said, oh, sometimes I just feel so sorry that I can't, you know, that Quinn and Oak aren't having, because at that point I only had the two of them, aren't having the kind of, you know, summer I had because I was, uh, well, very much actually like Gemma because Quinn and I have melded our experiences. None of the stories in uh, Journey to Juniper Junction are directly um, autobiographical. They're all made up you know, they're made up of our combined experiences. I grew up on a hobby farm in Canada and Quinn grew up in a village in England. And, you know, so they're, they're very different. But one of the people I was with that day when I was saying, oh, I wish they could have the kind of summers I had. She said, Heather, they'll have their own experiences. They'll have, you know, they'll have their own memories. And, and I thought, yeah, you're so right about that. It, you know, it's, it's just no matter what your memories are, I think you see them in my country cousins, our stories, because they're what childhood is. It's just that, that being, you know, you don't think about adults when you're out together with your friends. We tried to keep adults to a minimum in the stories, you know, because really I like, well, for example, remember the old Charlie Brown and the teacher would be going, I never made any. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and you're out of voice, right? And as a kid, I used to think, what's the teacher saying? I realized no, that's a joke for the adults in the story because, you know, we know that we're just going wah, wah, wah in the background. <laughs> kids want to think about kids
0: when when I was teaching I would find myself lecturing to the class and I would see glazed eyes and what popped up in my head was the teacher and Charlie Brown I'm like all right Carolyn we got to cut this we got to go to a different activity because they're not listening to me
1: yeah I think that's iconic that wah-wah-wah sound (laughs)
0: Oh, That's fun.
1: <laughs> well, we we were thinking when you were saying that your your grandsons enjoy the, um, you know that the, they enjoy playing in your barn and all that freedom and that kind of thing. I said to Quinny, we gotta send Carolyn a copy of our book for the kids, you know, because I mean we were just saying they like to have paperbacks, right, or they like to have actual books. So yeah, will they that. do? We'll send your 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 grandkids a couple of copies. We've got another book coming out soon too, so.
0: We'll send you two. <laughs> oh, thank you. Give us a little flavor about Alm El- Almosta. Is that how you say it? Yeah, like almost, almost a farm?
1: Yes, kind of like it's almost farm. Almost the farm. Oh, okay. You know,
0: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Silly me. All right. So just give us a little uh just like give us your back cover copy for Almost a farm. Why, how is it different? How does it continue? Uh, Gemma's adventures and what's exciting about it
1: it continues I mean it's a series so it really begins as you know with Gemma arriving in Canada from England and being a city girl just trying to get used to a hobby farm you know it's it's such a shocker and as you say by herself you know she doesn't have her parents to run to and uh and have them figure things out for her or anything like that and she has to get used to animals which she isn't used to because she doesn't have any pets her mom is uh you know dead set against having animals in the house so or any animals you know so Gemma gets a big kick out of the animals in the story and and also she has to get used to them she's a little frightened of them as well so she's also I don't want to give too much of the story away but she has to get used to these new friends as well you know and what they're like and and just negotiate that. So by the end of book one, you know, she's, she's getting used to the animals. She's made some friends, and she's feeling a little more grown up and capable. So in book two, she has to continue building on that. She has to get to know more animals, you know, that arrive, which is another, that's something that we found our young readers really, really enjoyed. They wanted more animals. So we've put in more animals. And then Also, you know, she has to learn that when everyone doesn't get along necessarily, how do you negotiate that when you're the new kid on the block, how do you make sure that you're not making enemies of anyone, you know, because these kids are really comfortable with each other but you're not 100% comfortable yet with yourself in the new situation, so she kind of has to negotiate some new things. Quinny did
2: you want to add anything to that. I think you've said it pretty well, mom. Basically we pick up from where we left off and essentially, you know, once the, uh, the bloom goes off the rose, shall we say <laughs> of being in this new place, how does she still handle the situation and handle herself? Right. right. How
1: does she handle that
2: homesickness? When, yeah. 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 So she's, yeah, she's continuing
1: to grow and learn things about herself, which is really what the book is is really about. As we say, it's funny, but it's also, um, as you said, introspective, she has to keep growing and learning as we all do at that age, you know, and it's coming at you fast when you're 10, 11 years old. And it's, uh, yeah. So we're just kind of, I think what we're trying to do too, is give kids a way, give kids a character that they can emulate if they want to, right? Like that's a big part of it too. Gemma's a good role model. She's, she is. she's real right? Yeah, she's real, but she's strong in her own way. She's not brash. She's not bossy. She knows her own mind and she's trying to continue to have a sense of self in a whole new world. So I think that's really what we continue to do. And that's what we will continue to do with all our stories is put Gemma in new situations and then throw some things at her and see how she maintains her own self-identity and at the same time grows as a human being which is pretty tough especially
0: when you're young <laughs> right i love her sense of wonder she encounters these new situations and then she hesitates a bit but then she's willing to tackle it and i i i, I just want to i don't want to go into this cuz i don't want to spoil anything but when we talk about is this a girl's book or a boy's book one of the things that i could see my grandsons loving are all of the secret rooms (laughs) in the house and i think they would be so intrigued by that so i definitely see this as an audience for both boys and girls or i see your audience as both yeah both boys and girls i can just you know again it's that sense of adventure and it's like oh my god i'm trapped in this room and then boing a door opens and there's a secret room it's like how exciting is this
2: What kid doesn't love discovering new things, you know, hidden secrets? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've
1: had people tell us that the house is like another personality within the story that they just, you know, they think about it when they've finished reading it.
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely a character. We talked about how grandmothers like this and you were talking about classic books and whatever. What popped in my mind was when I was a child, I absolutely... Adored reading Nancy Drew mystery books. And I oh, yes. was fortunate in that my mom's sister is 10 years older than I am. So she had this incredible collection of original Nancy Drew books, which I wish I knew where they were. But uh, I got to read the original Nancy Drew books because they were hand me downs from my mom's sister. And yesterday, as I was scrolling through Facebook, this marketplace ad came up and it said vintage Nancy Drew books. And I looked at the covers. I'm like, those aren't vintage Nancy Drew books. Those are the covers for when my <laughs> kids were little, <laughs> You know, where did they get up that this was vintage Nancy Drew? <laughs> but the point is that those stories are classic and they're timeless because Nancy Drew is like Gemma, you know, she's, she's teetering on, you know, well, I think she's a little older than, than Gemma is in the book, but she's still teetering on a different age transition. And she knows who she is. She likes the sense of adventure. And I see your books becoming as classic as, as Nancy Drew.
1: Wow. That is, that is high praise indeed. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> welcome. Because I know what you're talking about with Nancy Drew, though, and I agree with you. I mean, I think Nancy Drew is actually about 18 in the original stories. And for us, that would be like, well, what? That's a woman, you know, like she would be very grown up today at 18. But, but back when Nancy Drew was written, you know, you were still very much sort of a, a teenager and learning about yourself and not really a part of the adult world you know, when you were that age, I think, maybe media and things like that, you know, there's a lot of social media. And of course, we all have so much more access to so much more information. That age group has, you know, it's really come, it's really changed. Because I think originally, when we wrote our book, we were thinking that the book would appeal to kids who were between the ages of about 10 and 12. And, you know, we had some librarians read it, we had some teachers read it. And, uh, you know, when we were in the sort of in the creation stage and they said well this is a book for kids between six and ten and we were like wow really that's amazing to us that a six-year-old or even a five-year-old we've had people say oh my five-year-old loves it the idea that they are thinking about things like flying across the ocean by themselves I mean I think when I was You know if i'm honest with myself though if i think about it when i was 10 11 years old pretty sure i was constantly pestering my mother to let me go to summer camp because i was desperate to have uh, adventures away from my family (laughs) and just do my own thing i mean you weren't so much like that were you quinn i think that's why Gemma is a lot like you you were very very Mm home-oriented yeah so i think i mean you certainly wanted adventures but it's that combining of those two personalities that, and in our hearts, maybe we're all like that. Maybe on the outside, we don't, you know, we don't say, oh, I want to go fly across the ocean. But in our hearts, the idea that we might be by ourselves somewhere and, you know, ha- making an impression. It's the scene kind of stuff. We all love that.
0: Well, I think you have hit on an absolutely fabulous concept that is, definitely needed in the literary world for that age group so good luck and congratulations that's
1: exciting to hear thank you so much that's really exciting because we feel the very same way we looked at it and we thought you know there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world right now and these kids they need a laugh you know and they need to know they're capable and that they they have everything that they need to make it in this world and make a difference, you know, for
0: themselves and for everybody else just by being themselves. Well, I thank you, you did it. Congratulations. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at Grammy.com.